This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Shalom, welcome back to Practical Spirituality here in the old city of Jerusalem overlooking the Temple Mount at Asha Torah. I've been, uh, I apologize for those who watch this all the time and I disappeared for two weeks. Uh, I really am sorry, I didn't mean to do that, except I go away sometimes and that's the breaks. I had people tell me that they weren't doing so hot. I mean, there's people who actually watch this for their, like, well-being. So today's a good well-being class. Um, today's class is about speaking your truth. To speak your truth. Um, a lot of us are afraid to, to express our truth, to, to speak out what it is that we uh, deep down feel or believe or... And and it has a lot of it has a lot of the negative side to it. If if you if you don't speak your truth, there's a there's a big chance that you're living someone else's life because the you're hot. Cool off for a second, and then come back. <laughs> That's, David has David has different temperatures than other people. But it was a perfect segue to, for me to get some of these chia seeds out of my teeth. <laughs> chia seeds, you know, they get between your teeth and then start expanding. So that's good for now, I think. Anyway. Um The likelihood that you're living someone else's life is high, especially if your parents have like traditional uh, values and, and uh, traditional customs and stuff. Because cause if you think about it, even the best of parents can't help but raise children in their own image. And, you know, I know God credits in his image. <laughs> I think that was enough of being raised, you know, being, being in someone's image. I think God's image is about all we need. Um, but but our parents can't help to kind of raise us in their image, and and even the best of parents do that. But the worst of parents really do it strong, and they and they, I think they they cross the border of um, of Judaism and and uh, custom a little too much. You know, you know, Judaism is it has its like for sure reality to it, meaning God, Torah, mitzvahs, and halacha. God, Torah, mitzvahs, halacha. That's like universal. It's, it's, it's for you, it's for me, it's for everyone. You know, and then there's obviously the customs of a family and all those traditions that family has. If you're more modern Orthodox, so you were probably left alone about that. But if you're, if you're raised more in the Haredi world, so then the black hat world, then, then there's a lot more impressed upon you on what's expected. And, uh, and then if you're, however closer you are to Europe, it's even more intense. So then you really get like a lot of customs uh, imposed and in a lot of implied behavior that that's expected. And what can happen though, is that you don't have your own, you don't sense your own life. You don't sense your own choice. You don't sense your own, your own truth inside. And, and, um, not having that expression is the same as feeling dead, in a way. Because the term for expression, self-expression in Hebrew, is to be someone who's 
a um, midaber. And the word midaber is used by in Torah as human. Like a speaker, an expressor, and human are the same. So, for example, the metal in the frame of our tables here is called domem, like the floor, the stone floor here. Domem means inanimate. Then the, uh, the, the wood table is vegetation, as well as the cotton in your clothing, which is called someach. And then the, my wool sweater and your physical body is called chai. It's the living, it's the animal. In, in English, it's called animal, so it's inanimate, uh, vegetable, animal. And then a human being is called a medaber. A medaber is someone who's a self-expressor. So when you express yourself, you're ultimately experiencing what it is to be a human being. Now, if you don't express yourself, so then, so then a couple different things happen. If you don't express yourself, first of all, it's very hard to sharpen your mind without expressing your thoughts. Because, see, if you express your thoughts, inevitably someone's going to say, that was the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> Which really hurts. But you're unlikely to express that again if it really is truly dumb. And knowing you, you'll probably Google it or something and bounce it off a few people and find out how dumb it really was. And if it was truly dumb, so you've just gotten sharpened. But if you don't express, you could be really dumb and remain really dumb. <laughs> like a good way to stay dumb, don't express yourself. Just have all the ideas you've ever heard swimming around without you uh, actually stating them as, you know, in the world. So the more you express, the more you get, you know, get pushed back by people. Like I express a lot and I get pushed back and you know, I get these emails once in a while. And uh, by the way, if you ever want to email me any pushback, if I've offended you in any way, don't forget to attach your name to it. Okay? So the, uh, you know, online bullying is not the kind of pushback I'm going to pay any attention to. But, but uh, you know, if you could at least make yourself a an actual human being with a name and a return address so so that can be a conversation you know then that that I'm happy to happy to uh, be involved with anyway yeah you want to say something you're going from the premise that everybody around you is smarter than you I am no yeah if, if you expect pushback to sharpen you then you're going from the premise that people around you are smarter than you and making you smarter Abraham Avinu, when he said, oh, there's one God, everybody told him, oh, no, you're dumb. He did not think to himself, oh, yeah, maybe you're right. You know what? Let me uh -huh. check it and... Uh -huh. Well, I wouldn't use that story as... as um, uh, that story as the foundation of this, but I would... Um, I wouldn't use Avram for this, but I would use... Uh, I liked your premise, that everyone's smarter. I take it as everyone's smarter, everywhere I go. I, it doesn't mean I don't have a brain. So when the people I think are smarter make a comment, I use my brain to see if they're accurate in their comments about something I said. But I definitely see everyone as smarter. Like, I see you guys as more informed and smarter than me, literally as I'm speaking right now. And until one of you raise your hand and say what I, the last thing I said was stupid, I'm expecting you're accepting what I'm saying is truth. And because I'm figuring you're smarter than me and you're, and you're going to say something. And I hope you do. And the, uh, but the other thing I want to say about not saying things, the first thing is you might feel dead. The other thing is, is we may actually be killed. <laughs> 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 
I mean, there's feeling that, and then there's getting killed. It's too hard for me. <laughs> hey, I, even that minute was worth it to me. The, the, the well-being part. <laughs> what well-being part? <laughs> we mentioned well-being. He's my, like, he's really one of my oldest students from, like, 20 years ago. And the same thing happened 20 years ago. <laughs> anyway, um, we may wind up actually getting killed because, because there are people out there, there are people out there with real evil, in, with evil intent, and they're happy to speak. And they're banking on people not speaking. And so, if you want to keep things to yourself, I hope too many people don't want to keep things to themselves. Because we're kind of counting on there being some level of a balance of sanity in society. And that's going to require sane people speaking up, not just the crazy ones. But you notice how crazy ones seem to have more to say, especially when they have spray paint. They just have a lot to say, and, and now that they've been given, like, online license to say it, you know, where they really don't have to deal with other human beings, because they're, they're often reclusive and a little introverted and maybe even antisocial, and they, uh, they say it. They say it. So, so if the people who actually have their head on their shoulders have something to say, but don't say it, who knows what trouble we could get ourselves into. Go for it. Is this a more of a relationship uh, sensitivity for one shouldn't if they're not ready to hear it because it could cause you know major strife or you know something of that nature between two people? And a lot of times some people are just looking to get a rise out of people, so you're just feeding into what they want. Uh-huh. Um, so let me just make sure I understand what you're saying. It seemed like two subjects. One one is one is uh, do you have to make sure they can handle feedback? And the second one is uh, maybe you're feeding into feedback that they're that they're kind of trying Fueling to get. The fire. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's I'm speaking right now in such broad terms. Mm-hmm. So so that's that seems more specific right now. I'm speaking really broadly. So maybe we can get into that a little bit. But right now, I'm just talking about speaking your truth and making sure that our society stays safe for human beings to have this conversation. Yeah. yeah from a safety standpoint, like in airports and stuff, they, they have big campaigns and see something, say something. See something, say something? Yeah, they have a campaign like that? And there's big signs, yeah, like public places in America. Amazing. Say something, see something. Mm-hmm. You know, I was just reading in a book I'm, I'm reading right now. Uh, Stephen Covey, I think his name is, uh, a book called The Speed of Trust. And uh, he, he's famous for the seven habits of highly effective people. But, but something a lot of people don't realize is trust is, the, trust is kind of the, the under-substrate of all success. I mean, think about it. Are you ever going to get anywhere if people don't trust you? And, and how, much, how much trust could you develop? And what is involved in trust? How do you build trust? And so it's called the speed of trust because I guess I guess once you do have all that credibility and trustworthiness, that you will close deals way quicker with less lawyers and less like details just from that kind of trust. Anyway, but in that in that book, he told the story of a me- uh, medical school 
where um, the professor was first year medical school, and and the professor um, gave the exam, left the room, and all these young kids took out their cheat sheets and started like you know reviewing all their cheat sheets while they were answering the questions, and the um, and the. One of the people in the back, oh, so many people were very upset in there. And, one, and the guy stood up in the back and said, I've put my wife and three kids into a little tiny apartment so I could afford to be here. And if I see any cheating whatsoever this year, you should know that it, it's going to get reported immediately just based on the sacrifices I've made to be here. And everyone just quickly put their cheat sheets away. Never took them out again. And they had the, they had the highest... How you doing? Welcome. And they had the highest graduating class of... Uh, um, you guys want to figure out a way to consolidate so these two can sit together? Maybe you two slide over one, one seat and then they'll sit together. Unless you're... Oh, there you go. Table for two, please. So... Anyway, they had the highest graduating class in their school's history of med students because they couldn't cheat. And so they, they all had to, uh, you know, really be honest and they had to get good at medicine. And they, they, uh, see it, say it, yeah. Okay, back to, back to speaking our truth. One of the biggest fears of human beings is rejection. And a lot of us are more afraid of rejection than, than we're afraid of not having lived our truth. Because whenever you got fears, if you're dealing with a fear of something, it's always imbalanced to something else. Meaning uh, I, when we were in the, just in the jungle in, uh, in Costa Rica, there was a, uh, a zip line course but it wasn't the regular zip line where you just zip line down one thing. We actually we were taken by a jeep up to the top of the mount, a mountain, uh, and then we went up, climbed up into the canopy, up to, into a, onto a big tree with a platform on it, and then there was a zip line from that tree that just went shooting into the jungle, and then it landed on an like on the top of another tree. Uh, which had, a, you know, they had built a platform on it. So you get, once you get off the zip line, they unhook you from the zip line while holding you and then z- immediately put your harness onto, you know, a cable that went around the belly of the tree. And then you just f- walk along this platform with like hundreds of foot drop into the, you know, the floor of the jungle. And you just kind of walk around with the other guys in your team around until they pop you on the next zip line and f- shooting through the canopy. I mean, these were insanely scary zip lines and some of them you couldn't even see where you were going like meaning you were kind of above the tree line and then and then you zip down and you just hit a hole in the tree line and then you were shooting through a tunnel of trees and then and then and then it would clear and you'd just be like whoa and it just kept going you know and you're going like 60 miles per hour I don't know, it felt like 60 miles per hour maybe it was 40 I don't know but you're really moving fast and um and that was scary. And so you had to weigh the fear of that to missing, it out, missing out on it. 
that was the it was that was the math. Do I go for this zipline course, or do I or do I miss out on it? And so, and so we all did it. Everyone did it, and it was it was rewarding. I personally, just very personally, I do not not that you came here for anything of mine personally, but I don't like thrilling. I don't like thrill stuff like that. I just it's just not my style. I don't like it very much. You know, I like skill stuff, not thrill stuff. So I, I'll do radical stuff, but it requires skill. But just getting hooked onto a cable to have your, you know, the, the bejesus scared out of you. you know? It's just not my thing. I, I don't like that kind of stuff. And I've done that kind of, that kind of stuff before. But the, I don't like it. On the other hand, my students loved it, and, the, and they had such a great time. But we gotta we gotta weigh that stuff out. So your self-expression in your life, speaking your truth, as we said, your self-expression in your life, what would you weigh it against? What is it weighed against? I'm willing to hear your okay. Okay, your your self-image mostly, like what people would think of you. Embarrassed. What's that? Your comfort zone. Okay, your comfort zone. Embarrassment. Yeah, being embarrassed. What'd you say? Okay, losing your peers. You could lose your peers. You know, I, I. By the way, I have a saying something about that about losing your peers based on your self-expression. Is that any relationship that cannot withstand your self-expression is not worth having. Any relationship that's not cannot withstand your self-expression is not worth having. So. Um, to say in a nutshell, as far as relationships is, is to have self-expression-proof relationships that you can express yourself fully. Like your relationship should be self-expression-proof. Yeah. How far would you stretch those boundaries? Because certain expressions are pretty radical. Like how far would you stretch those boundaries? When I say self-expression, I'm I'm talking about like coming, like really expressing your truth in the world. It could be just what you do for a living. It could be. Um, it could be something you chose to study. It could be... I'm not discussing actual words here. That's what I'm saying. I'm staying really broad today. Yeah. <laughs> but definitely try not to swear. Yeah. <laughs> if you don't mind. As far as self-expression is concerned. What's up? How's the bike riding? Awesome. Yeah? Yeah. You know, I'm going to shoot some videos. I got a GoPro. You got a GoPro? Uh, yeah. Amazing. I still am selling my third bike. I just... Yeah, anyone anyone wants to buy an exotic mountain bike? I've, I've got an exotic mountain bike. So I sold two. I'm selling three. I, how much? How much for the third one? Yeah. Oh gosh, not right now. <laughs> not in front of everybody, but it's not cheap. It's not cheap. <laughs> Ask him. They're not cheap bikes. I know. But they're amazing bikes. I saw you riding his bike. I was about to say. You, you weren't wearing a helmet, bro. Uh. But you're an aggressive rider. You should think about the other, this other one. <laughs> You're, he's a good writer. Okay, so anyway, but you got to weigh it against those things. So our expression now, I just have something to tell you all that's really good news, that if your self-expression is going to freak out your family, which is usually people's biggest concern, is, you know, because what, what your acquaintances say is of concern. What your 
closer people are going to say is of more concern. What your family's going to say is of utmost concern. Because no one wants to lose their, you know, no one wants to lose the backing of their family. They're like, your family's your main support. And if your expression, if your self-expression could threaten your 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 um, support from your family, that's pretty intense, right? That's pretty serious. Agreed? Yeah. Well, guess what? I got great news for you. That blood is thicker than values. Blood is thicker than values. What does blood represent? Family. And if you have values, now obviously you have to be able to say them, articulate them, prove them, like they got to be real. But if you can... If you got values that outdo your family's values, which is going to totally freak them out and make them get weird and start getting defensive and argumentative and, and maybe even sound like they're going to discard you. If you have values like that, what will happen is they're going to get very upset. You're, you're going to really upset your parents. You're going to really upset your siblings. You're going to upset your aunts and uncles and your cousins and your grandparents, and everyone's going to be flipped out over you. And you want to know what's going to happen after about a year or two? They're all going to be groveling back. They're all going to come crawling back to you and apologize for the way they spoke. And they'll be like, we can have our differences. Or they'll say things like, we can agree to disagree. And you expressing yourself to your family was about keeping it in No, you definitely express it. And also that gives them a chance to our counter counter what you said and maybe sharpen you. You may be totally off anyway. Who says you even know what the hell you're talking about? <laughs> you, know? you may have this like huge banner you're about to wave and they're just like that is the dumbest thing I ever heard and this is why. And then you're like you're right. <laughs> that was dumb. Okay? So um, but yeah, that's why I mentioned before is your values have to, have to hold water. Can't be a bunch of holes in your new idea about your new lifestyle or whatever it is. You know, it's got to be something real. And uh, Shalom, I, I'm, I'm in the chair service. I don't know where to put it. Put it right here. Anyway, but they will come back. Families always come back. I know people who've made bad moves, dumb moves, terrible values, like they, meaning they, I know people from like Hasidic community who have blown it so badly. I mean, short of getting a sex change. I mean, they've, and I know even those as well, but short of getting a sex change, like they, they've just done everything wrong, you know, from every perspective in Judaism and certainly all the more so from their Hasidic dynasty home they're from. And, and you know, they're, they're just like, years later, years later, the family just lets it go. They're just like, just want to have a relationship. We're sorry. We're sorry we, we couldn't see beyond our values when we, you know, sent you out of the, you know, sent you out of the, out of the family, out of the fold. And they, uh, they came back family came back and said you know what we'll just have to have our differences but we want to stay you're our our child and you're our sibling and so if that takes if that could happen for someone making bad choices some seats over there how you doing
let's learn it out as a kol shikane. How do you say kol shikane in here, English? All the more so, but there should be a term for it. I forget. What. If that can happen for someone making lousy decisions, because the boy did make some really lousy decisions. I think if I explain some of the decisions this boy made, I think we would have a 100% vote that every one of them was a mistake. Like, this guy blew it in so many ways that, I mean, you'd have to be raised observant to blow it that badly. <laughs> no, because they, they, people raised observant blow it really badly when they leave the fold because they, uh, what happens is they're... they're uh, they don't have any internal red lines. All their red lines are the Torah. And then all the other customs of their Hasidic home. And, you know, they don't have any red lines. They just have a ton of red lines way out there. So they have no idea where the real boundary of life is. And so if, they, if something goes wrong, which usually happens because something weird happened, usually something sexually weird happens, but if something went wrong in their upbringing, and so the, the observant community that they're from got, is poisoned by some bad thing, that took place. So, and then they hit the road, you know, because they're no longer part of that. So then they're, they're just, they just fall so hard in three weeks. Like, they can get more trouble in three weeks than a secular person could get in in like 10 years. Because the secular person at least has red lines. Yeah, there's, there's where he wouldn't go. There's things he wouldn't do because he's developed his own red lines. Whereas this guy, he doesn't have any red lines. He doesn't know what he should be and shouldn't be doing. And so, boom, he just falls so hard. Anyway, so this guy made every mistake in the world. So if his family came back, I actually, I mean, amazing. I just had, I just had like a hardcore Hasidic father ask me for a meeting. So I went to the meeting and uh, went to the meeting and he pulls out, a, he pulls out pictures of the before and after of his son. Mm-hmm. And he says, like, he says, we haven't spoken in five years. And I'm asking you, Rabbi, please build a bridge for our family back to him. Nothing to do with Judaism. He's like, I don't care about Judaism. Like, just help us get our son back. And it was so beautiful. I was so proud of him. I was so... And, but, it, but it proved the point that I've been saying for years, and that is blood is thicker than values. Than values. So here is this kid with 180 degree different values than the than the family, and you see the blood won. Blood always wins. Yeah. Would you like risk five years on things that are not necessary? No need to tell your family. Like I know uh, people who like don't keep Shabbat, but every time they go back to their family, they keep Shabbat. Like why would you then tell them something like that if it doesn't really affect them anymore? Yeah, so again, we're talking bigger picture, so you're yeah. qu- so they, it may be wrong. When we come to the details of what to express to family, that should be like with minimal hurt. So if someone, like for that example, who are not keeping Shabbos and it would like kill their parents, so if they could avoid that uh, announcement, that'd be better. You know, um, it's a tough thing. I'm meeting with a young lady. Uh, Tomorrow, who wants to make all kinds of announcements to her Hasidic family. And um, <laughs> please, God, <laughs> Shem should give me the wisdom of like, how to help her, first of all, that maybe no announcements shall be made. But, but if, if she really feels that strongly about a lot of those things, so we're going to... 
talk about what needs to be said and what does not need to be said. And probably much of it should not be said, just to just not to hurt people for uh, no reason. You know, but what needs to be said, I will certainly help her make get it said. Yeah. What if your self-expression is being held back by you more than anyone else? Either you don't want to you're, accept it, or you don't believe it, or you're holding your own self-expression back. <coughs> Oh wow! So you're saying like you you have a value? I mean, it's a little too vague for me. Maybe you need to give me more specifics. But you have a value. You're afraid to express it because then you're going to have to do it. You're basically going to have to live it if you express it. Right? Exactly. And you don't want to live in it. So, example, like if you were religious, you fell out of religion, and then you realize religion is who I am, and I want to go back to it. But you don't really want to live my life again. You're what's holding back. Mm. Mm-hmm. I like science and like and like atheism. You don't want to like accept there's a god, so they don't have to like keep it. Is that what you're saying? I'm, I'm wondering if that's if, it, if that means that it's just not my self-expression, or if there's uh, something about it that I'm doing wrong. Or, I mean, me, whatever specific. You guys understand this question? Yeah. How would you say? <laughs> Who wants to express that again? Go ahead. Um, I think what he's saying is that it's when you, it's like the cognitive defense kind of, like when you believe something, but your actions are differently, where you know something's right or something like that, but like the effort to put into it is not, like you don't, you just don't want to, but you believe something. Someone who believes in Judaism just doesn't want to do the effort. It doesn't want to do the actions of it. Would this have to do with expression? That, that was, I got that. I, my part was the expression part. Well, you're not expressing yourself. You're not doing it. You, if you believe Judaism, you're not being, you're not Shomer Shabbat. You believe in it. You just don't want, you just don't want to get your phone away. <laughs> <laughs> now I know why you guys got it and I didn't. <laughs> This was an integrity issue. We're really on the subject of integrity. And um, you guys want me to deal with this for a second? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, are you sure? (laughs) Sure you want to talk about integrity right now? So, I mean, I'll handle handle it a little bit. I'm not going to go too deep on this because I generally don't speak about integrity unless I'm in my seminar work. Because the, uh, uh, by the way, I have an English seminar. Whoa, flyers. Totally would have forgotten. Yeah. That's awesome. you in English, first time in like eight, nine months in Israel. I switched it to Hebrew for Israel. But I'm doing a men's seminar starting this Sunday with an intro Thursday night in, in town. So, um, you know what, guys, spread these, or hand these around. These are for men, unless you women know a man who belongs there. Anyway, so, um, but try to do so, send those out without uh, too much uh, rustle. Because I generally do not discuss integrity in a situation where I don't have people fully committed to be trained in integrity, because it hurts too badly. I'll give you an example, that every single one of you has really low integrity 
right now. Like, your integrity's scrap without the S. Can you explain? Can you say why? Yeah. I'm happy to say why. I'm happy to say why you have no integrity. You have no integrity because I think most of the people in this room realize that they are created beings, that they aren't just a descendant of some monkey. Yeah, I think most of the people in this room believe they're created beings. And, um, which means you're created by God, which means that you're special beyond measure. And you're, you're not only special, but you're powerful and you're creative and you, you can make a mass, you're like, you, you make a difference beyond belief and you're, you're awesome and you're holy and you're spiritual and you are, I think the middle area, and you are spiritual and you are uniquely brilliant. You are uniquely brilliant. And you are um, beautiful. You're very beautiful, like incredibly beautiful. And you are um, creative, and 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 you're awesome. And you don't live that way at all, at all. You have not integrated that at all. In fact. The likelihood that you're saying the opposite of every adjective I just said, I just said about 15 adjectives, the likelihood that you're saying the exact opposite about yourself is super high. You have no integrity. So, like, it's really cute that you, like, have the integrity to, like, you know, if you miss with your paper towel, you, like, actually go and pick it up and put it back in the garbage can, which is nice. I love that. Like, don't leave a mess. That's fabulous. That's integrity. And if you may, you may come on time when you say you'll be somewhere at nine, you actually show up at nine, like, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. I, I like that. And, uh, you know, some of you probably keep Shabbat, speaking of the subject. Some of you probably believe that God gave the Torah and that Shabbat is a binding commandment. And you actually, you know, we could see if we followed you around, you actually keep Shabbat. And that's really great. That's high integrity. And some of you brush your teeth because you've integrated the fact that if you don't, your teeth are going to fall out and your breath's going to go to hell. So, so we're glad you've integrated these things and that you should shower once in a while. We're especially glad that you integrated that. So your integrity is great on some things. But where it really, really counts is meaning how awesome you are. You know, there's a couple of you here who I'm thinking might have some integrity there. And you know who you are, um, but the majority of you know integrity. And so, and so, I generally don't discuss integrity so much because, because it's, uh, it's, it's a place where, I mean, if, if the, the way I could say it is like this, I mean, this is going to sound a little crazy, but if... If you can deny how amazing you are by your the things you'll say to yourself underneath it all, meaning if we could somehow attach like a uh, megaphone to your brain of what you say about yourself, you'd probably you'd run to the closest basement so no one should hear what you would say about yourself. And the and so my sense is that 
If someone knows Shabbat is binding, but can't seem to put their phone down, the issue is nothing to do with Shabbat or the phone. The issue has to do with that they're out of integrity about the main stuff, meaning how amazing they are. That's more important. How awesome you are is way more important than that. And if you're out of integrity about how awesome you are, so I think that the that you're probably going to be lame at the other stuff, at having integrity about stuff like Shabbat or brachas or kashrus and stuff like that. I mean, think what you're asking God to overlook. I mean, if you're lacking integrity in Shabbat or kashrus or anything in Torah, what you're ultimately saying is, God, if you don't mind overlooking this, you know, could you just overlook that? But that's nothing compared to you over asking God to overlook the fact that you're created in his image. Meaning that same awesome being that made you, like you're asking him to overlook that while you say horrible things about yourself all day, all night. That you could actually look in the mirror and not see beauty. That you could wonder whether you should even join a conversation of people because what difference do you make? Like, like you're asking God to overlook that. So, if you're asking God to overlook the big stuff, so you're probably asking God to overlook the small stuff. And that's the work I've been doing for, you know, in the possible use seminars, which I just graduated another 63 people in New York, which is awesome. And we just did such intense work. Um, and, and it's quite amazing, and I would be very interested to hear how it affects their Judaism. Because I've found something incredible. I mean, I've, I've had these tuna bagel guys who are like Hasidic dropouts. Not to mention totally secular people. And I run into them a year or two later, and they're like... like, like one, one couple, I saw a couple of these guys pushing a baby stroller, a Hasidic man with pays and... You know, the little Hasidic wife, all, you know, dolled up the way they go. And, and they're pushing two babies. And, and he comes up to me, he says, Rabbi Glazer, you know, I want to thank you so much for, for the work you did with me in the Possible You Seminar. And I was like, I've never seen you in my life. Like, who are you? You know, and he shows me a before picture. And I'm like, no way. And you're Hasidic? Like, how'd that happen? And he's like, well, the truth is I was born Hasidic. And I'm like, okay, so you went back. And he's like, yeah. And I'm like, how? And he says, after your seminar, I decided to go back. I said, well, we never discussed Judaism in the seminar. The seminar was just about you. It was about, like, just you. He said to me, when I got me back, I got my Judaism back. And so, if you want to talk about a loss of integrity when it comes to things like Judaism, chances are the loss of integrity is about something much, much bigger. And that's about how amazing you are. And you don't live that way. And I'm not here preaching, by the way. I still say lousy stuff about myself. There'll be times when I'm with someone who's just so brilliant, and I'll say that you're, you're an idiot, <laughs> you're an idiot it hits you know and there'll be times where I'm with like you know really good surfers and there'll be a little voice saying you're 50 you know you're 50 like stop 
trying to be 20. And there will be times where I'm with really wealthy people and, you know, and just like, you know, you're a rabbi. <laughs> you know, that, those out-of-your-league little voices in, the, in your head, you know, just like, which, I mean, if you sum them all up, you know, you're, you're basically a loser, you know, and, and so I'm not preaching. I got the voice too, but I, when I hear it, I like to say, whoa, out of my integrity completely, who am I really? And get back to my integrity and live with integrity there. And so when it comes to keeping Shabbat or kosher or brachas or halachas in general, like I'm, I'm pretty darn good there. My integrity is pretty high there because it's, that's the small stuff compared to being a created being. When you're a created being, it just puts you in a really lofty spot as far as how awesome you are. And so I think maybe the, the issue is just self-esteem in the end, is that we don't really hold of ourselves. And, and so why would I put my phone down on Shabbos? Because that's small compared to the other things I'm out of integrity with. I had a lot more to say today, but I think it's 4 o'clock. I don't know for a fact. Oh, it's 4.06, and I'm supposed to be speaking to Japanese businessmen. Lord, help them. Shalom, everyone. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.